Sounds good to me. We're good. We're good. We're good. We're good. We're good. We are good. Oh my gosh. This is episode 17 of that one bottles podcast. We came back from the dead. Um, it's been over seven months since I recorded my last episode. Everyone's been bugging me about it. What happened to the podcast? Uh, I kind of had a career change, a major life change, a great change. That's right. You became um, a wrestler. A wrestler? Oh my gosh, I wish. Congratulations. That wrestling money's great, but they don't have health insurance the way we do. Um, that voice you're hearing is my coworker Mia. It's actually her birthday. She's turning 403 years old. Yeah, um, that's right, everybody. Yeah. I'm a monster. She's a vampire. That's correct um she's one of our desk people at spectrum where i work at now spectrum news um yeah is this her is this your first podcast ever uh yeah i think so technically sure technically what, yeah. what does that even mean technically it just makes me feel like i should have been on a podcast before but i don't remember being on one i was on a radio show once i read a poem on a radio show a poem on a radio show yeah in houston Dude, that's wild. That's correct. Dang. Yeah. Did anybody sign you? You know what? People called in and they said they liked my poem, but that they wanted me to read it with more soul. Uh, so I was hurt by that. That was tragic to me. Damn, they called you out. They on really your, did. On your <laughs> lack of soul. Cool. So I figured that the the comeback episode, episode 17, um, I'd have Mia ask me questions. Um, a lot of people... I mean, if you haven't kept up with me through my new career, um, I hate you. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you should have kept up with me there. Doing a lot of great work. But for those of you who haven't, I understand. There's some people who are listeners. They only listen through the through like either iTunes or um, Spotify. So I understand. If you haven't kept up with me, I am not offended. So Mia's going to kind of guide this whole conversation. So, what's up, Mia? What you yeah. got for me, homie? Well, as everyone should know, Jose asked his many followers if they would submit questions to him. Um, Jose is obsessed with his follower accounts. He's always texting me like, hey, just FYI, I'm up to 1,400. <laughs> um, I don't tell you that. No, he definitely does. Okay. Mia and... is a compulsive liar. <laughs> uh, Dude, and I, I kind of just have to... You know, sometimes I just tell Jose, I cannot wait to have an ego as big as yours. But um, it's well-deserved. It's well-earned. Uh, <laughs> no, he's definitely, he's a great kid. A great from kid. From the streets of San Antonio. Gang, gang. Uh, anyway, all of that to say, none of his millions of followers submitted any questions. <laughs> they didn't take it seriously. They did not. No. Um, Some guy wanted me to answer so, why his father hasn't come back. Like, what? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so, for the record, Jose, why did uh, Daniel's father not come back? Uh, his name was Dylan, but I don't know. I mean, yeah. I don't know, Dylan. Sorry, bro. Uh, keep, you know, just... Keep the fight, Dylan. Yeah. Your father will show up someday. Exactly. Okay. Um, in all seriousness, Jose, it's been more than half a year since your last episode. Can you talk to your fans about what you've been up to since? So, 
episode 15, 16, I kind of hinted that uh, there was something incredible that was going to happen to me in my life. Um, and for that, because of that incredible thing happened to me, I had to put the podcast on hold. Not because anyone told me to, but I just wanted to shift my focus to um, adapting to TV news, which was something that I, you know, I, I interned with Spectrum, you know, back in 2016. But um, it was, I mean, it's, it's different when you're working full time. So I just wanted to drop everything that I was doing and focus on this um this this new career change it was it's it's great it's a it's literally the perfect marriage they were looking for someone who can tell hyper local compelling community stories and i was already doing that at the newspaper i was doing that through photography i was doing it through through the podcast you know i was highlighting different folks in the community my community the the city of san antonio so it was just the perfect match and um it's been so much fun since. I've been learning a lot through John Salazar, um, Annette, um, who, Elise, Brian, Chris. Like, literally everyone's been helping me out. Kiki, like, she's she's been really great to me. Um, just everybody, everyone's been welcoming. Um, Ed, he's um, helped me tweak, you know, just little editing things, audio things. Um, so it's just really good. Um it's been great. I'm, I'm like easy to mold because, you know, I, I'm eager to learn. So I don't take criticism like to heart. I'm just like, all right, cool. Thank you for, you know, letting me know that I need to improve in that area. Um, but yeah, it's been fun, you know, six, like seven months already. That's that's wild. That's that's wild, dude. I can't. Definitely. I can't even digest all that's of that. That's crazy. Um, I actually know. I think I've told you this story before. Alan... Um, oh, Alan. Alan at one point. The man who hired me. The man <laughs> who's like, I love Alan. Yeah. My, I, I'm loyal to that guy. I remember he asked uh, a question about some of, he asked a few reporters in the newsroom one day if they knew any reporters uh, he could maybe hire. And he mentioned you specifically. He was like, whatever happened to that one intern? And now, at least from my perspective, it's funny to see like... <laughs> Where that one intern, yeah, I guess came. Um, what happened to that one Mexican yeah. guy? Oh gosh, he would <laughs> hang around in the newsroom. I didn't know he was our intern, you know, at the time. <laughs> no, no, they didn't say that. All right. So, what do you like? Uh, what do you like the most about your job at Spectrum? I tell people this all the time. The thing I love most is interacting with the people we do the stories on. Uh, that's where. I learn about a certain topic. I learn about a certain issue. Um, I learn about our my roots. You know, I inter- you know I interview people from the west side, and they they school me on that neighborhood that I grew up in, and it's incredible. It's it's cool to to document that to give this person um, a platform, give them that megaphone to you know share with our our viewers, our audience. You know, Texas. We're, we're all about Texas. We're expanding. It's, it's great. Um, I just really love uh, interacting with people. Um, I've done it as a kid. And I would interact with someone on the bus stop or I interact with somebody on the way to the basketball court or whatever. Yeah. Um, that, that's that's what I love the most. And it's, it's always going to be what I love the most. Yeah. Where you seem to be thriving right now 
is, and I hate to talk you up, but uh, I got a big head. It's in uh, those character-driven stories. Yeah. So my question is, what do you think is so different about the way we're being asked to tell our stories? Why do you think it matters? Maybe a little bit more than you know, just run-of-the-mill. It matters because you can resonate. Like when we watch a movie, when we watch TV, we find some some character, some person we try and resonate with. Whether we really resonate with them or not, you know, that's that's a conversation for a different day. But we find that, or music too, like you know, when certain lyrics we try to gravitate, like oh my gosh, I I felt that way, or that's how I feel. Uh, so these character-driven stories, people are connected. Like people, someone that's from the opposite end of the no pun intended spectrum of the world can connect to someone who's different race than them, different class or uh, just whatever. Like they, they can connect with that. And I, I think we as journalists, we as reporters, um, we have, uh, I, I said it to my friend the other day, we have a, pri- a certain privilege, you know, I can go up to a stranger right now. Hey, I want to tell your story. More than likely, they're gonna say yes. Like ninety nine percent of the time, they're gonna say yes. I'm with I'm a stranger. You don't you don't yeah. know me, and um, so just being able to you know just connect different people. Like I, I remember I would I would write a lot about on the West Side when I was um, blogging while I was in college. Um, I was an intern for Spectrum at the time. I was covering the Spurs with Jeff Platt. Shout out to Jeff Platt. That man turned this print writer into a decent on camera reporter in the span of a couple months. Um. But I would blog about stuff on the west side. And people on the north side, if you don't know the north side, the north side is a very privileged area for the most part. And um, they would connect with those stories. And I just thought it was weird. I was like, man, like, I remember I lived in the north side for like a year. And people thought, oh, you're from the west side? Like, you get shot at all the time, right? I'm like, no. (laughs) Like, what? I mean, I heard gunshots as a kid. But, I mean, (laughs) I mean, there's crime everywhere. Yeah. I, th- I think just being able to just connect people and. All right. So that being said, is there a character-driven story that stands out in your mind, like favorite? Maybe just one that you thought was really important and timely to tell. Oh man, there's so many of them. Like, I don't want to be that person. I love all of them the same. Like, oh, I love. That's like asking me, mm-hmm. oh, if I love all my kids. Um, no one loves all their kids. Right? That's true. Exactly. Dang, I hope. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> what the heck? That got dark. Um, shoot. For me, um, I would say for like each month, like let's say January. January, my favorite story was on Dorothy Mundane. This, um, this is one of your first big stories, I think. It was one of my first stories I did with Spectrum, but it was the first story that I knew it would do really well mm-hmm. and people and no matter who watched it they would love it because she's this adorable 80 something year old black woman who just has wisdom for days who has like the biggest heart in the world who will make you smile like she'll talk to you for a second and she'll just make you smile she'll make you feel happy make you feel warm um that's how she lured me in a couple years ago at a march she was just like singing and i was like mm-hmm. who is this woman i went up to her and we just developed this relationship you know, when I was at the paper, when I was at my college paper, Express News, and now at Spectrum. So for January, I would say her for sure because she used to pick cotton in West Texas. Like, wow, isn't that crazy? Like someone who 
Definitely. is still alive in 2020 picked cotton. Definitely. Like that's 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 wild. Yeah. Um, she told me about the racism she experienced. So I would say like January for her, February, um, maybe Caldrick, who uh, he's he's a black artist. His art um, is just very compelling. He does it on fabric. Mm-hmm. Him or maybe um, Tien De Leon, the the young man who went to who goes to Highlands as a sophomore. He's born with his joint disorder, so he can't really extend his left arm. And um, he's on the basketball team. Mm-hmm. He's a damn good basketball player. Played him one on one, and he beat me. <laughs> uh, so it just depends, you know, the the protest story. Um, that one was May 30th. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it just depends. And there's, there's, I, I, I love all the stories that I do. Like I, it, it's really hard to choose like one, but those are the ones that come to my, my head right now. Uh, Christopher, the accordion player. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a great story. Um, adorable 13 year old kid. He just loves to play the accordion and he's like a superstar. Yeah. And he's not even old enough to get his permit yet. Like, that's wild. Like, what was I doing at 13? Right, <laughs> I don't right, know. Right. I wasn't doing, like, I wasn't doing anything at that sure. time. But, yeah, it just, uh, it, it's just hard to choose from. Like, I, I love pretty much all the, I mean, I love all the stories that I do. But there's just so many great stories. And I'm proud of all of them. Okay. So, it seems like there's, at least what I've observed, from what I've observed, all of your stories seem to have this through line of, a character who has experienced some form of adversity mm. but strives for some form of excellence or progress like with um your protest story you had Kamiya um mm-hmm. you know she's had experience with activism and she was on the front lines of this huge protest mm-hmm. um with the accordion kid he was I mean like you said he's excellent at what he does yeah um and I <clears throat> guess Again, not to give you a big head, but it feels like that's at least your story as well, is coming from some form of adversity. I know you've probably talked about it on the podcast before. Yeah. Your experience, like um, the thing that spawned your passion in journalism was something difficult, but here you are, you're in our newsroom, and at least I can say from my point of view, joining the newsroom maybe about two months before you not knowing the community as well, I definitely think you have, um, I guess, you've almost made it competitive. Like, we're all trying to get to know San Antonio a little bit better because we can tell how passionate you are about it and how successful that makes some of your stories. So um, there's not a question attached to that. But if you have comments on it, um, what would they be? Mm. I feel like now it's not competitive because I'm like, I'm labeled as that guy. <laughs> Everyone jokes. Like, like I remember John was pitching a story. Oh, Mr. Brown, James Brown. And like, he's like, yeah, his son was one of the original Spurs. And, um, all, and I had to, cur- and no, I, had to cur- I would just like to say I discovered that man. Yeah. John. Okay. I'm sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. You did. You did. <laughs> but I just remember I was like, yeah. And it was funny. I was in the middle. I had just finished shooting a story that morning on the young man who another kid from Highlands he overcame testicular cancer. He walked the stage at Alamo Stadium. Um, so I had just finished shooting that. I'm like drenched in sweat. I'm hot. So I'm at the I'm during, I'm in the Zoom meeting and John's pitching the story. And I remember correcting him. I'm like, wait a minute. His son's Devin Brown. He went to West <laughs> Campus, which is closed. Yeah. Graduated from UTSA. 
went undrafted, won a championship with the Spurs. And he's like, yeah. And then I remember hearing, I think it was Chris, Chris Martin. He's like, I think the, he's like, who don't you know? Or he's like, like yeah. Jose just knows everybody in San Antonio. I think the better question is, who don't you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, and it was just funny. No, I'm, just like, I, I'm like, I, I guess I'm that guy, but it's just, it is nothing that, uh, it, it's not because I wanted to know everybody in San Antonio. I moved around a lot, you know, um, when my mother got sick in 2007, I moved from the west side to the north side and my mother got her toes amputated on um, one of her foots. So we moved in with my rich aunt and uncle who I, I compared it to the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. <laughs> it was literally the same situation. And um, we like us leaving there, we were living there for as, as long as my mother needed to. So, so she could figuratively and literally get back on her feet. So when that time came, we moved back to the west side. But... Um, Where's I going with that? Oh, I, you know, I lived in the north side, so I'm like on a different part of town, and I'm, you know, I'm starting to become friends with these, you know, these privileged kids, and it's so weird. Like they didn't know that I was a poor kid living with a rich uncle, um, and so I moved back, you know. So that's I go to three middle schools at that point. You know, I'm in my third middle school. High school comes. You go to Burbank, which is on the south side. But I lived on the west side. I didn't want to go to Lanier, which is, which I love Lanier. You know, I love all the, the kids that grew up in there. They're, I'm, I'm that kid. But oh, my whole family went there, so I wanted to go to Burbank. Went there. My mother dies summer of 2010. I move across town again to Robert E. Lee area, which is I-10, 410 area. Um, so I'm there for a year. And then I move again, 35 um, Walsham area. So I go to Roosevelt. So I'm just constantly moving. And I'm meeting these different people. So I'm getting used to moving around a lot at this point and put that on top of playing sports when you play when you do extracurriculars you meet all kinds of people um so it's just over time people you know um they they just remember me um and i remember them um so it's like it's not like i feel like if i would have had a normal san antonio life like go to one elementary school one middle school one high school i would still know a lot of people but not as many as i do right now so I credit me moving around a lot. I'm, I just credit my, my crappy situation, my crappy, not a crappy childhood, but just constantly moving. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I, I enjoy being that guy. Um, I'm glad people want to be, other people who are not from this community want to be in it, want to get other, to know other people. Like a couple of weeks ago, like, you know, when the protests were still at, at their peak, you know, you were out there interacting with people. Literally, like you were doing what I do. And it was funny when you called Kiki and Kiki's like, hey, you know, and uh, Kiki didn't know I was, on, I was next to you. Yeah. She's just like, you know, someone to emulate. And then she said me. She used me as an example. Is like, hey, you should emulate Jose. Oh, he develops. And, and it's yeah, true. It's yeah. not. And it's, it's not like it's not a Jose thing. It's something that I learned from other mentors mm-hmm. like Ben Olivo, who runs the downtown heroin. He told me when I was his intern for this nonprofit news organization called Follow Media. He told me he's like, hey. If you want to be a great reporter, emulate Viana Davila. Viana Davila is a badass writer. She's incredible. She wrote for the Express News, wrote for the Seattle Times. She's somewhere in Texas right now for this really dope organization in Texas. I, I forgot what it was that she's writing for right now. But she's like like the person mm-hmm. to emulate. Like she has, she has questions until she has no more questions to ask. Yeah. And like when she gets, you know, when she gets home and she's like, or whatever the office, like 
she's got all the information she needs and right. uh, so stuff like that Vincent Davis my mentor of what 2012 eight years now mm-hmm. uh, incredible writer for the Express News he like his presence in the community this guy's from freaking Nebraska he was in the military for 20 years and he's been he's been in San Antonio for like 20 something years already but like his presence in the community like if you go to any story Vince has probably covered it mm-hmm. like any really good community story he's probably covered it um, so like I, I it's I learned from people like that I learned from just being a just a decent try to be a decent person in the community you know like I, I don't go like I go into a story or, or just a, a, an event like let's say I go to an event I don't go to get a story I go to meet people and you, you did that a couple of weeks ago you were just meeting people and like shoot I don't know how many stories you got out of that like you were just yeah. like story 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 like oh hey Chris like so and so oh look <laughs> here's a medic oh and I was just like dang dude like Mia just did this on her own like I didn't even have to like yeah. you know like it was really dope and uh, Kiki was right when, when she said that like just make your presence known like show face and like the stories are gonna come to you like literally um, that's why when I go to a story they ask for you and I'm just like really like oh we're <laughs> Where's the old girl at? I was oh like, oh, I was like, I was like, well, she's not a reporter. Everyone, you know? I was quarantined for two weeks, but I'll see y'all Saturday. Or no, I'll see you tomorrow, actually. There you go. Oh. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, Cut me off, because I, I talk too much. All right. So you said, you mentioned something earlier about uh, journalists having a sort of privilege. And it seems to me like that privilege is being in a position to ask questions Um and to exercise your curiosity about the community in a certain way, in a way that, you know, you have a platform. So can you tell me, um, it's kind of an abstract question, but what is the best question you feel like you've ever asked in an interview? Something that cut through right to the heart of what the story was, an important story. Oh, man. Dang, that's that's tough. Um, we're gonna cut to a commercial break, folks. <laughs> um, we'll be back. Um, this podcast is brought to you by La Fiesta, where you can get all your naranjas, cebollas, all your needs for your little casita. I'm just playing. We're not sponsored by them. That'd be dope, though, man. Shout out La Fiesta. They're a little locally um, grocery chain. I'm trying to think, dude. Um, we can skip that. You can think about that for a little bit more. Yeah, we'll get, we'll get back to questions. that. We'll get back okay. to that. All right. Um, when you first started at Spectrum, I'm sure you had a, a list, like a bank of stories. But did you feel any pressure to deliver, you know, what would later become, if not instantly become, your brand of storytelling? And how did you move past that? Or confront I knew I was going to suck at first. Well, not suck, but I knew I wouldn't be at the level I want to be. I'm still not where I want to be. But I've seen the improvements. I see like a story from January and December. Wow, like I was I was kind of like monotone. I was very America's diamond ring, like you know, I was like, yeah. "Wow, like who aired this? Like come on." <laughs> but it Excuse me. Um, but it was just cool to see the the progress, and like I said, everybody would you know John would be like, hey, like have a little bit more energy, and I hear it from Alex too. Um, Alex would tell me she's like, hey Jose, I have, love love your storytelling. I love you know your writing. Just have some more energy. 
Kiki the same way. Kiki would tell me like, hey, like try not to read your script too much. Yeah. You know, um, just, just, you know, just pieces of advice. Um, and then when I see somebody, when I, when I get my scripts checked, when I see the way they tweak something or they rearrange something and it sounds that much better, like it would have sounded really good the way I wrote it initially. Um, and there's sometimes where like it's, you know, my writing, like, because my foundation is writing, my writing's on point. To where they're like, oh, we just changed this one word and that's it. And I was just like, oh man, that's great. Like, yeah. you see the improvements. Um, so I know initially I was going to struggle. Um, I was scared. Uh, I was very scared. I'd, I'd hear myself on TV. I'm like, oh, like, I don't like the way I sound. Mm-hmm. Or I'm very critical of myself. Like, nobody's more critical of me than me. Like, you know, it's, uh, there's times where I'm like, ugh. Like I'll, I'll I'll upload a story, and then like maybe like twenty minutes later, I'm like, oh, I didn't like the way that track sounded. Oh, let me let me re-upload it again. Let me retrack it, and uh, just little things like that. Um, but initially, like all I wanted to do was just like be better on the next tour than I was in the previous one. Right. And, right. and it and it happened, and a lot of people have told me like you you've been improving. Like it's it's been nonstop, and it's it's great to hear. But I don't, I'm not like satisfied with that. Yeah. Um, I don't ignore it though. Like hearing stuff like that helps me out a lot because I'm critical of myself. Right. You know, when I hear, um, you know, big boss lady, you know, Larissa, when she says like great story, I was like, oh my gosh, like she saw my story. Like the protest story. Like I got so many calls from our producers, everybody about it. Mm-hmm. Like I... I, I remember I got super emotional when Kiki said that, you know, that story, like she said, you, you made your city proud with that story. And like, wow. I want, like literally after I hung up, I cried. Cause I was like, damn, <laughs> Cause after everything that I went through that night, I was up so early that day. Cause yeah. I shot two stories that day. Yeah. And like, I ended up being down in, in downtown for nine hours. That was wild. And just to hear like, like, you know, um, just, um, you know, just positive feedback from everybody that especially that day because that day was like i still get chills thinking about that day even the following day i don't know how i got up went to my desk and put that story together i still don't know how i did it Mm -hmm. i just maybe it's because i I love what i do so much but literally after i uploaded the story i didn't think twice about it or anything and um you know it, it aired and stuff and I got all that feedback and just thinking to myself, how did I have the energy to do that? You know? Yeah. But, um, <laughs> is there a person you imagine while you're, you know, pulling long shifts like that? Um, and then have to wake up the next day to edit, you know, all this, all of what you've shot the day before. Is there a viewer or some portion of San Antonio who you imagine watching that story that gets you through the work part of it um and what do you imagine that person to be like i don't think of a person what what fuels me is um the feedback that i get from the people i do the stories on for me i I tell this i've told this to numerous people a million people can like my story but if the people i did the story on didn't like it Mm -hmm. then i'm just like you know what like you know, a million and one, like, oh, that was great, you know, versus there, like, oh, man, like, mm-hmm. eh. But I don't, I don't think people are, like, really, like, 
bold enough to say that because like they just like that their story was told but um like genuinely hearing people say like i loved it like hearing that i loved it you know like when i was at the paper oh i just bought like six copies you know for my whole family like i did a story on an nfl player uh his name's ramon richards he used to play for the la rams grew up on the east side of san antonio which is a very um, low-income part of san antonio it's historically black uh, family of five lived in a one-bedroom apartment this guy you know standout student on top of being like one of the best athletes in san antonio history um i literally did a story on him and you know his rookie year he was in the super bowl um the story i did on him and people have done dozens of stories on this guy my stories pinned on his profile to this day and that just means so much to me i'm like oh my gosh like literally like like people do stories on this guy all the time and like my story that i did on him it was that great it meant that much to him that it's still pinned on his profile to this day it's like one of the first things he wants people to see yeah and that's just like amazing or when i hear uh when i when i get a text from the people i did a story on they're like i loved it so much um like you literally told our story like the like um the one that I was super nervous about recently, I'm nervous about all of them, but was the the indigenous tribe, mm-hmm. the Carizo Como Crudo tribe of Texas. I was really nervous because their stories are very sensitive because, you know, they're, they're indigenous folks and like their history is being erased. Um, the remains of their ancestors are being mistreated or like they're stored somewhere, mm-hmm. you know, and they're not, you know, uh, they're not buried anywhere properly. Or they're, you know, no one's giving them a proper memorial and um literally that whole day i was just nervous just being with them like i enjoyed covering them and everything like being with them and they they let me into their space um but i was just nervous you know as soon as i uploaded the story as soon as it aired i shared the link with them and i was just waiting i was like okay right okay and i got no text back and i'm in a group text with like two people from the tribe Mm -hmm. so scared so then, like, what I do is I'll search for, like, the, the title of the story. Right. Through social media. <laughs> sure enough, they were sharing it with different tribes all over the nation. I was like, oh, my gosh. They loved it. I was like, okay, cool. Like, okay. Like, I... And then she actually texted me the other day. She was like, I loved it. It was a great story. I was like, yeah. oh, my God. I was so nervous. I'm like, when, when are they going to give me feedback on this? I'm so scared. Um, I think there's a quote somewhere that says journalism is the first draft of history Mm. and we live in a time where we have so much perspective to go back and look at journalism from back in the day um we have historical perspective we have context um journalism is powerful we are living in a time where people are critical of mass media because of how powerful it is um what what do you think is your personal responsibility or what do you feel is your personal responsibility in correcting maybe or just acknowledging possibly harmful past uh, trends and coverage? I just want to tell the right story. Um, I also want to give people who don't, who feel like they don't have a voice, I want to give them a voice. Mm-hmm. Um, growing up, I always tell people, Growing up on the West Side, all I ever saw in the news, or maybe even the paper, were like negative stories. And I'm, I'm, I'm not saying there weren't positive stories, but the bad outweighed the good, you know? 
whenever I would see something on the west side, uh, it was always like a shooting or what, just something tragic. I'm like, bro, like there's so much good to talk about. Mm-hmm. And uh, my mentor, Vincent Davis, asked me this back in November, October. I forgot when it was. He says, how does it feel to be that guy, though, to finally tell these stories I was like, it's great, but I wish it would have happened a long time ago. I wish it would have happened when I was a kid. I wish it would have happened way before I was born, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think it does to a community when for so long the wrong story is being told? Uh, it just gives them a, a bad rep. Like like the 78207 zip code where I'm from, you know, people see that area. People want to avoid it, you know? Unless they see a nice mural and they want to take a picture in front of it. Mm -hmm. Then they're there. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, they want to avoid that area. Um, And it it just gives it a bad rep. Um, But when you really look at it, it's like, bro, like, given very little resources, um, like, what do you expect? The housing projects that were built in the 40s still look the same as they did in the 40s. We're in 2020. Like, it's almost been a century since they've been out. Like, literally, Roosevelt's wife visited the West Side, saw that people were living in shafts. People were, like, living in, like, you know, like, like they didn't have houses. Like, yeah. so they built the housing projects, but they still look the same. Yeah. And then you hear about um, the mold. You hear about the rodents. You hear about the improper, like, the, there's only one, one AC unit. Yeah. For a family. There's no proper heating. Like, literally, their heater is a stove right and it, it just sucks it's just like man like they, people don't know and then like the the real sad thing is we thought that was a normal way to live and it's not it's not a normal way to live but uh we're just conditioned that way and like you know the way san antonio is structured we have 16 school districts you know education is very key very vital mm-hmm. you know the the poor stay poor and you know the people who are thriving you know continue to thrive and it just sucks. Do you feel any pressure to cover the city of San Antonio in a way that can contribute to uh, turning that tide or changing something that's obviously institutionalized? Hell yes, I do. And it's not even pressure from anybody. It's not pressure from bosses. It's not pressure from family. Mm-hmm. It's pressure that I put on myself. It's internal, yeah. Yeah, it's in, it's definitely internal. Would you call it a purpose then, maybe? Yeah, I, I, yeah, for sure. Um, like, growing up, like, let's say, like, growing up with a, a single mother, my goal as a, as, a, as a little boy, a little teenager was, we're going to give mom a great life, a life of no stress, no worries, even though that's damn near impossible. It's like, like stress and worries right. are, like, inevitable, but... Right. I'm a little teenage boy. I think that I can still like, per, you know, give my mom a, a, a perfect life. Yeah. Give her that white picket fence, two story house, you know, um, that, that life. And, um, when she died, um, it was like the worst thing ever. I mean, not like the worst thing. It was the worst thing ever. But you know, when she died, I thought to myself, okay, what's my purpose now? You know? I was going to be first generation to go to college, graduate from college. And now it's like, and then I shifted my focus. All right, my sisters, you know, my mom's three daughters. I have five sisters total. One of them passed away last year, but I have four sisters right now. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but you know I, I thought about my mom's daughters you know especially my little sister it's like I was fortunate enough to know my mother for 15 years so I don't feel sorry for myself my little sister was seven she's she's 17 right now she's lived most her life without mom wow. right and like being a young girl without you know I know what it's like my father was there but he wasn't a father if that makes sense like he he's from Mexico he all he thinks is like all right I provided right I'm raising you right but that's no you know uh, so for my little sister it's like man like she doesn't you know get to like just experience being a little girl into becoming a young woman with mom in her life you right because no one can teach you to be how how to be a woman better than your mother or maybe like a a, a motherly figure so now my sister's kind of taking that role um but I always tell them, I was like, don't try and be a second mother. All you can be is a, a best sister, mm-hmm. best sibling, and that's it. But um, where was I going with that? I'm sorry. I like, went off topic. You had... Uh, well, I have another question. Yeah, yeah um, for sure. So we've talked a little bit about the importance of storytelling. Are there any... Um, mm. How important storytelling is to a community's development or a person's development? Are there stories that you maybe tell your little sister about your mother that you think have shaped her, and that you hope will shape her. I mean, she knows about the good things and stuff. Like my mother, like she wasn't perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, but like my mother got married at thirteen. Yeah, one three, not thirty, one three. Right. Back then, it was normal, and that was to my sister's my sister's father, right. who abused her. You know, she and my dad meet. My dad already has two daughters. They get married. They have me. I'm 95. Um, so like she she knows she knows about my mom. She I mean she knows kind of the some of the struggles. But I remember actually uh, it was earlier this like maybe back in March or April. Yeah, it was right when the pandemic was starting. She asked, "I want to know the details of mom's death." And to be quite honest, I I know. All I know is that my mom had a stroke. She was in a coma. Us three, the older siblings, decided to take her off, you know, off life support. That was, oh, you know, one of her wishes. She spoke about death all the time. It was, it was so normal. She's like, if I ever die, don't bury me. I want to be cremated. If I ever die, this. So we knew what to do, but I don't know the details. Details. My older sisters do. Mm-hmm. Um, I never cared to know. All I know was yeah. that she's gone. Yeah. Um. So. You know, I kind of knew the details, but like my sister wanted to know the details. And I think what she really wanted to know was about my mother's pill addiction um, that she had when I was 10, from 10 years old to 12, uh, which was the worst thing to see as a, as a kid. Because when someone's on drugs like that, they become a shell of themselves. She overdosed about four or five times. I had to call the ambulance every time you know it was it was so easy to call the ambulance um but it got to a point when i was a kid where it was embarrassing like i lived three doors down from my middle school my my friends would be like hey like um you know so an ambulance what happened i was like oh my mom's sick yeah you know what kid wants to say oh my mom's addicted to pills um so i don't know if she she knows i mean my sister i remember we were in a group message she kind of mentioned that yeah um i don't know how she she's she took it. I didn't really follow up. But um, there's a lot of things that she doesn't know yet. 
you know, she's 17. She's, she's a young woman. She's about to be 18 later in December. And uh, I feel like once I feel like I think she's ready, I'll, I'll have those conversations with her. I just don't want her, like, same thing with my dad. Like, my father, even though we, we didn't have the best relationship, you know, there was a time where I hated him. Now I don't. Mm-hmm. But um, he's been great to my little sister. Like, literally, she's Good, she's yeah. reaping the benefits, and I don't envy her whatsoever. Right. You know, good like i'm happy for her um but i also like she what she doesn't understand is what i went through with him and um i just you know once i feel comfortable i was like you know what i'll, I'll let her know about my my relationship sure. with him sure so that because i don't want her to dislike him for the things that he may have done in his past right you know um um but yeah we've talked about that a little bit before do you think that you would say your father has experienced some sort of like healing that he's um been able to change and be a different person for your sister oh yeah i for sure like he was an alcoholic he doesn't drink much anymore Mm -hmm. that's why it took forever for me to drink i didn't start drinking until 24 years old literally last september is when i started drinking um (laughs) my wine bottle over there (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i'm drinking water guys by the way but um yeah he's i feel like he's definitely grown yeah. You know, he's 66. You know, I'm 25. You know, he had me at 40. He had me pretty pretty mm-hmm. old. Um, but. So, uh, when I'm thinking about healing and all the parallels between your story and then your community's story, mm-hmm. is there a healed version of, um, you know, your zip code? 78201. 7, <laughs> <laughs> my graduation cap's right there. I only hear about it all the time. No. Shout out to Albert, man. He designed my graduation cap for college. Is, I have it there, hanging on my wall. Is there a version, um, years, a few decades maybe, of of your community that you think is healed, uh, thriving, um, and maybe just changed? What does that look like, and how do you think um, we'd get there? It's getting better. Um it's slow. It's like super slow progress. It's like, it, it's, I don't know. Like the gang violence isn't nearly as bad as it was when I was a kid. And it was even worse, you know, when I was like a baby. Um, but I don't know. I just want, I want everyone to be thriving. Like I want to live to see that, um, you know, it's my last year on this earth and i get to see it then fine like at least i get to see it that's why i want to like help push you know that you know that zip code forward you know throughout college when i was literally busy working 40 plus hours a week had an internship went to school full time i still made time to volunteer i I made that promise to myself because my mother was always giving of the community um i remember the community center san juan that i used to go to as a kid there was, it was sandwiched between two housing projects, the Brady and San Juan Courts. Now they're nicer apartment complexes. It's still Section 8, but they're, they look a lot nicer. They're not like the old brick foundation that the Alazan Courts have. And I remember when the Brady Courts power went out. I always tell people the story because it just meant so much to me as a kid. Um, I remember my mom telling me, she picked me up. She's like, hey, like the power head went out. Did you hear? And I was like, no, I didn't. She said, yeah, the power went out. You know, it, was, it was really sad, whatever. The next day, she goes to pick me up again. And my friends who live in the courts were like, that's your mom? 
I was like, yeah. They're like, she was, um, she was out when the power went out. She was giving us all Gatorades. I was like, what? I was like, for real? Like, I was in shock that she did that, but I was like, she didn't tell me that. So what the hell? I'm like, yeah. So you know, I went in the car and I was like, hey, my friends told me that you're giving them Gatorades. Oh, she's like, oh yeah. Like I was giving a, a you know, the kids Gatorades, whatever. Like she used yeah. the food stamps to you know buy Gatorades yeah. or whatever, whatever she had left for the month. Um, and that meant so much. I was like, dang, dude, like. She wasn't boasting about it or like, you know, right. she, she just did it and she would always check me too. Like if I ever told, like if I ever made a comment about a family member or like a homeless person, like we were poor as hell, but like I would, you know, like what's this homeless guy's deal? She's like, Hey, like you're no better than him. Yeah. Or I would make comments like, why are Theo and Thea always at our house on the first of the month when we have groceries? She's like, I don't care. She's like, I'm, we're never going to close our door to anybody. And she just instilled that in me as a yeah. kid. So when she died, I told myself I need to give back somehow. So I became a volunteer at 15, still volunteer. Um, I volunteered to be a photography teacher to kids at San Antonio Coach Arts. And they're like, hey, we'll pay you to do it. And I'm like, yeah. well, if you want, like, I don't care to get paid. Like, I just wanted to volunteer. Yeah. They're like, no, like, you have to kind of get paid because yada, yada, yada. I was like, okay, whatever. You know, did this photography class for three, four months. These little hood kids had their photos up in a freaking um, art gallery. It was so, like, half of them sold. I was like, holy shit, this is amazing. Like, this is so empowering for these kids, man. Like, to see something that they produced on a wall and someone's buying it. Like, whether they're going to be photographers or not, like, that's going to stay with them. And, like, you know, they're going to have a a, a certain confidence. Yeah, exactly. You know, and I want to instill that, you know, in, in kids from the West Side. Um, but, you know, like, it comes the time where you, you realize that you can't change, like, everyone's lives. There's only one of you. And there's, like, dozens of kids, you know, mm-hmm. wanting your attention. And, like, I, I do my best to divide it. Like, whenever I, I volunteer for, like, a summer camp or a spring break camp or whatever, or even during the school year, you know, I make sure to dap every kid up. Mm-hmm. shake their hands when i leave same thing even if like like some some little kids are just mean <laughs> even if they're mean i'm just like give them a fist bump and then they're like all right cool you know yeah. um i make sure to acknowledge each kid whether i spent time with them that day or not mm-hmm. i, I want to at least acknowledge him because they know what i do they know i'm a reporter you know i always have my dslr they call me camera guy nike they give me all these damn nicknames yeah. uh, but just little things like that because it meant a lot to me as a kid when somebody older would give me attention because that's all we want yeah. as kids is tension, yeah, love. Exactly. And a lot of them may not get it at home. Do you, do you think that programs like that, I know you talk a lot about um, your experience and you said you, you kind of were, you grew up and were molded by those sorts of programs, mm-hmm. community centered programs for kids. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that that is how kids sort of, if they're not healing, that's kind of sparking something in them that can create maybe like another Jose. I hope so. Uh, I feel like for me, um, it just depends on their situation. Like for me, my mother never wanted me in the streets. Mm-hmm. Was I in the streets sometimes? Yes. Uh-oh. Didn't, you know, probably, <laughs> she knows. But, you know, I... If I knew she found out, I was getting an ass whooping when I got home. You know, I still, still tell this story to this day. So I had a brother-in-law or an ex-brother-in-law, whatever. 
my sister's boyfriend. We'll just call him a boyfriend. My sister's boyfriend. Mm-hmm. My family calls me Luis. So my name is Jose Luis Arredondo Jr. Family calls me Luis. They don't call me Jose. Nobody in my family calls me that. Why does everybody call you Jose then? Everybody. I mean, that's my first name. So, yeah. but it's cool. Like you know, uh-huh. I, you know, I have two different names, I guess. Um, but he came in the community center, and there's a kid. Coincidentally, his name, his first name was Luis. He comes. He's like, "Hey, I'm here to pick up Luis." You know, the people that ran the center, are like, "Oh, he, you know, he left already." He's like, "Oh, okay." So then he goes, he goes to my house, like, "Hey, they said he left." So then she comes to pick me up. I'm there, right? So she picks me up. Mm-hmm. Where the where are you? And I was just like, what, like, what, what are you talking about? So and so came to pick you up, and he said you weren't there. They said you left. Where'd you go? And I was like, what are you talking about? I've been here the whole time. My mom's scary. Like my mom's the nicest human being on the but man, when she, you know, when she was getting ready to give you a whooping, like it was like, oh hell no, like stand <laughs> out of her way. So I was just like. Argue with her. I was like, I've been here the whole time. I was like, ask anybody that works there. Ask them if I was there. Mm-hmm. She's like, all right, if you're lying, she's like, I'm going to kick your ass. And I was like, oh, no. And then I started to second guess myself. Uh-huh. Like, did I did I leave? Like, I knew I didn't. But I was like, did I go to the restroom? And maybe he didn't see me. Like, Or like, when we were playing outside, like maybe they said that. Yeah, I was like, man, like, did I really go out when I knew I didn't? <laughs> so I was so scared, right? She goes in, right? Comes back out. She has. We this, all have moms like that. Oh, yeah. my God. She has this mean mug on her face, right? She's just walking. Ooh. Yeah. Right? Watch out. And as soon as she opens the door, she just starts laughing. She's like, oh, she's like, when Davey came, he asked for, for Luis, but there's another kid named Luis. And I was like, oh, my God. I almost <laughs> got my ass whooped because of that. And I was like, no. <laughs> it was so scary. But yeah, like those places are are very important because like, you know, it, it you get a workout in, you know, you play sports, mm-hmm. learn how to collaborate with other kids, interact with other kids. Mm-hmm. But like I said, like that place is only there for X amount. Same thing like a teacher, like the teacher's only yeah. in the kid's life for, you know, from seven to three. Yeah. The kid still has to go home. And for a lot of the, you know, a lot of kids their parents may not be, you know, giving them the right amount of attention or love. Like, I know some kids, like, you know, when the, the center would close, like, they would walk home in the dark. And I'm like, what the heck? Like, it's so late. Like, like why? Do you, um, do you ever think about, like, what what are their parents like that they would let their kids do that? Or are you ever sympathetic yeah, to the like, parents? Yeah, you know. Okay. Unless I know like they're they're, they're out doing something not, they're not supposed to, then yeah. I, then I don't. It's like, but for for a lot of them, it's just it's a vicious cycle. Right, right. They have kids at a young age, um, you know, and then you know they're just so busy with life. Or let's say they're working like two jobs, don't have time. Like the kids mm-hmm. take care of themselves. Yeah. And like you know, when you're a kid, you kind of lean towards somebody that you know could be like an authoritative figure in your life or maybe someone that can guide you like for us it was like the you know the you know not the ogs ogs are like older people but like you know like gangsters or whatever dudes in the streets that like you know tell you what's up every now and then or whatever and like or you know they they kind of like look out for you but then that becomes like all right you start getting to shit with him you know like mm-hmm. get into trouble mm-hmm. um so it, it just depends like there's so many like it, it's it's not black and white like it's not like all right, if you do this, you'll be successful. Or if you do this, like, you'll be, like, there's so many layers yeah. and, like, so many different situations. 
it's not like where you can go to like a privileged area and it's like all right you know so-and-so has two parents yada 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 and it's it's the same like everything's yeah it's like all right car at 16 college bam graduate all right move back home for a little bit get a job bam all right now you're on your own got it you know it's diff it's different for for you know low-income kids it's it's totally different um you know it can go really well for them and it could go really bad Mm -hmm. like super quickly and um it just sucks. I know people always tell people there's people that are more gifted than I was, more talented than I was, way smarter than I was. And a lot of them are in the streets. And and I feel bad. Like it like survivor's guilt is a real thing and it sucks. Because I'm like, man, like that person homeboy probably had the cure for cancer. Or homegirl over here probably could have been, you know, councilwoman, you know, or whatever. Yeah. And it's just like we, we don't get the same opportunities as our as our compadres on the north yeah. side or whatever is that a story that you would want to tell someday like uh the story of a person who had so much potential and promise and then maybe i don't i'm not sure how the how to phrase this other than to say maybe fell victim to the system yeah they, because uh, that's what the system is set up to do yeah um, it's the system is doing its job it's in place right for right. us to fail it's in place to keep us out of certain spaces it's a it, it's people say it's a broken system it's not it was engineered kind yeah, of yeah it's it's doing its job like literally it's it's been in place for decades and it just sucks like how can we undo decades worth of work yeah. like it's hard yeah it's really hard yeah and that's part of your purpose right yeah okay. and that's why i say like i hope i get to live to see that yeah but if not like you know the people after me can reap the benefits of it um you know the whole joke that so and so crawled so we can run like <laughs> i want to crawl so somebody could run someday yeah. or, um like i want i want to see the 07 zip code thriving and not thriving because of gentrification or anything i want it to be thriving because right. like you know you want to see black some... and brown people are like you know thriving i want to see that you know every, like most most of it i saying like all of it all of the population like that's that's impossible that's yeah. like it'll never happen yeah but if we can get most of the community thriving that's like but freaking you know that's an accomplishment that you know i don't think anyone can top and a lot of people are trying, a lot of people are trying in, in their own communities, you know, whether it be like, you know, people from Compton or people from, you know, wherever, wherever part, you know, because like poor people are not just in the west side of San Antonio, they're just not on the east side of San Antonio, they're everywhere all over this country, right. you know, they're right. they're in New Orleans, they're in Houston, right. they're in Austin, um, like the east side of Austin, man, like, man, there's some wonderful people out there and it's just That's like... Del Valley where they're considering the Tesla <sighs> situation. Yeah, yeah, we were talking about that. Um, just commissioner's court yeah. meeting on that. Um, and there are concerns just that this billion-dollar organization um, is going to get tax rebates to build, and they haven't been very clear with uh, the community as to like what opportunities they're bringing. Yeah. Um, we heard from one construction worker who talked about all of the, um, I guess, the abuse that construction workers can suffer when construction standards aren't monitored. Um, Shouldn't, aren't they supposed to, like, stretch, like, have stretch breaks and stuff? 
I have no idea. Like I've seen videos of like yeah, construction yeah. workers stretching and like someone's like, yeah, they have, they, these are mandatory. And like, His main complaints were that uh, there wasn't often safety training. Oh, wow. Uh, employers <laughs> so could sometimes, you know, leave their employees without money or write them hot checks. And yeah. it's just, I was talking about it with another assignment editor. It's really interesting because you have all these people giving testimony and it's like, how sure are we? that their testimony is going to make a difference in what the commissioner's court decides. Yeah. You know, we have people making excellent points. But at, at the end of the day, it's just, is this going to be like a new... I accidentally made some Star Wars reference, which I will never <laughs> do again, rest assured. But I said, it's like, is it going to be a new hope for the community or the Empire Strikes Back? I don't even know. <laughs> Dang. Alan. Well, no, Alan's a Star Trek guy. Yeah. So he won't really... Um... Um, he may appreciate it. I don't know. But, I'm, not, I'm not into Star Wars or anything yeah. like that. Uh, but all, all this to say... Shout uh, out Star Wars. <laughs> uh, respect the brand, yeah. Respect the brand. <laughs> I had tweeted out... Because um, my, my favorite Star Wars movie is... Um, was it The Revenge of the Sith? That's a great movie. Great actors. I know about the Sith, yeah. Uh, shout out the Sith. Don't worry about the time, dude. We're good. All right. We're good. Um... All right, so this is a question I kind of wanted to ask earlier. That What's quote up? that like if history or if journalism is the first draft of history, mm -hmm. you've talked about this a little, a little bit already. But like, what do you? What does that make you feel when you're writing a story? Like, people are gonna look back on this one day. Mm -hmm. What do they need to know? And what's super important for the future to get right? Because if anything, I think this industry teaches you like how important story is how important that yeah. it really is just a story i mean you have when big organizations or institutions give you their statement it's the words it's the storytelling mm -hmm. like everyone is telling a story yeah so what do you want what do you want to get right i guess i mean just the story whatever the issue touches on um but i also want um I don't want people to have questions afterwards. Right. You don't want Or to if, if they do have questions, maybe it's like questions that they're asking themselves. Got it. But like if I touch on a certain topic and this person tells me their story and, you know, and if I put it, you know, put it together, right? If a viewer is like, what about this? What about that? It's just like, oh man, like, mm -hmm. I don't want that. Yeah. And it's going to happen. But I don't know who told me that, you know, you know, if someone, you don't want anyone to have questions, like to have certain questions. Yeah. Um, unless like, it's something that is thought provoking. Like I said, right. like, you know, something that right. people ask within themselves. Like if it's a story on race. Yeah. And, you know, maybe a person like if, like, let's say like with Camille and she, she talks about certain issues. Mm hmm um maybe somebody who's not black will ask themselves man like am i this or have i been this way mm -hmm. should i maybe check my own you mm -hmm. know privilege or whatever? yeah no i i think that's you know that's that's a good way to have like that's like the good questions you want to be asked it's yeah. like people thought provoking ones but if it's like like holes in your story it's just like oh you don't right, want that you don't want right. that it sounds like you're saying what i've noticed people at spectrum really want to get right is they don't want to leave um room for other storytellers 
to come back and say, well, maybe... They should have asked this. Yeah, or to say, like, well, this isn't answered fully in this piece, so Mm, that leaves room for me to come in and fill it with... You know, Dave Chappelle says, like, we're living in an age of spin. So, Mm. uh, yeah, talk to me about spin, actually. What do you think about that? I feel like it's... um, dangerous you know standard though in our time um it makes it so that i guess if we're following that metaphor that history is the first draft Uh it makes it so that that's a messy draft with a lot of competing narratives Mm. i don't know man like people are I don't understand people why they do that. Like I, I really don't, and it bugs me. Or, I don't. Or this has nothing to do with that, but really bugs me is like, just ridiculous headlines. Mm-hmm. And um, there's certain people out there, like certain, I won't say names, um, but like I see certain people, uh, they'll get called out for a certain headline, um, and there maybe that reporter's response would be like well did you read it and it's like yes but you know because i i get upset when people read a headline and they just go based off of that yeah like i get where both of them are coming from but it's just like that headline had nothing to do with that that story and that's the problem and, that, and that's another problem that's a problem you know that's a problem on the journalism side but on the flip side, you know, people just read headlines and they don't read read a story. They don't click on it yeah. and they just share it, which is also very um, Ooh, guilty, guilty. No, and it's bad. It's bad. It's really bad. I, I did it when I was in college, like my early years, like maybe I was nineteen twenty. Yeah. But after that, I was like, nah, like I, I need to read this. Yeah. Like, you know, this is something that, um, you know, I'm not 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 endorsing, but it's just something that you know, I I claim that I read. And I thought it was worth sh- and I thought it was worth sharing. Yeah. Um. So I always make sure to to, to read it. To read it. Um. Or like maybe in TV version, like on the TV yeah. side, you know, click on the video. Uh, or if I see a video surface, I I won't respond to it because, you know, I've I've there's, you never know the full story. Yeah. There's so many times where like someone put like someone in the in the thread puts yeah. the whole video. And there's more context to yeah. it, but I'm not that one person where it's like, oh, what about no, the for like, sure. like, like, like? There's there's people who are they yeah. just want to argue, like they could see something in plain, like it'll be like a full five minute whatever, and it's just like, well, we didn't see the whole thing. It's like, oh my gosh, bro, yeah. like we have we all have eyes, we all have a brain to process that. No, that's true. I actually kind of there is a story that I thought myself and another journalist, an awesome journalist, thought would be huge. Yeah. Sorry. No, you're uh, good. And then we kind of did our background homework on it, and it was not what we thought it was. So it's definitely like, gotta do your research. Oh yeah, for sure. Like, like my friend John Michael says, "Do your Google's doggy." <laughs> they actually called me earlier. Um, but yeah, like for for sure, uh, totally agree. What you got for me, Mia? Come on. All right, I have. I know there's one. There are two things. <laughs> you okay. know, I was like one. You're holding two fingers up. <laughs> Pick okay. number three, my lord. No, 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 no. <laughs> She said, pick my number three, my lord. What? Okay. Shrek. No. Oh, is that? 
You've never Daniel's seen Daniel's dad. Shrek was that Daniel's his name? dad. His <laughs> name's Dylan. Dylan. Man, my poor Follow class. Follow me on IG, Dylan. Uh, Dylan Perez. He went to Burbank. Okay, first, first of the last two questions. First things first. I'm the realest. All right, Jose is um, super cocky about oh, nice. not being, no. Uh, not being what? No, it's just, it's difficult to, as an assignments person, try to find a story that you think has that unique blend of like super local and extremely compelling that Jose is going to be like, okay, I'll take that. I would like to do that story. Jose's always equipped with like 50 11 pitches that he's got in the bank. He's already shot. <laughs> They're basically ready for air, you know. But um, today, wish. today was a different story because one assignment's desk editor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're here. To, oh my oh, gosh, no, man, you're, you're here to praise yourself. No, 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 no. So um, Mia, Mia's basically saying that today she had a story idea, and I never like I. I don't get any stories from a press release. Like, there's maybe been once where I got it from a press release. First of all. Like, everything else I pitch. But it was, this was an idea that Mia had. And it's uh-huh. a great story. Um, so, I, I yeah. responded to the email quickly. And I was like, oh, yeah, I, that's I'm down for that. That's definitely yeah. something new. I did it because it's a great story. And it's something, like, super different than I've been doing. Mm-hmm. And, like, I, I've never, I've never done a story like that before, so. Yeah, I'm I mean, excited about it. I don't know if we want to go into it too much or. Um, I mean, just let it kind of. When I publish this tomorrow, I'll probably air this tomorrow. Air this tomorrow. That's why I know I'm in TV. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna upload this tomorrow for sure. So. Well, I'm basically gonna be shadowing a nurse. Uh, uh, yeah, a nurse who's on a COVID floor. Yeah. Um, we're still working out the final details, but it's definitely an important story. Uh, hospital capacity, as everybody should know. Is kind of at a critical point right now, so we are needing to. What we're hearing. I just want to say that's what we're hearing. What we're hearing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, from health officials. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, I don't, I haven't personally seen it. Um, so we'll, we'll see. Uh-huh, like yeah. it, it'll, it'll be, it'll be exciting. Um, definitely nervous. I'm nervous with every story. Um, because I, I, just, I think that's good though. Yeah, I care about all my stories, but yeah, that was Mia's idea. She wants to. Yeah. Pat, pat yourself on the back. That was that was a great story. So we're getting that set up. It's gonna be. Uh, I trust Jose to do a good job. Um, I had a question at some point. A final question. A good way to wrap it all up. Oh, we never answered the whole um, question idea or question. Oh yeah, that question. one question. That's redundant. That you have felt you've been able to ask as a journalist privilege with the position and platform to ask important people questions uh, i think one time i asked ralph rivera who is an og on the west side mm-hmm. he's worked with west side youth for over four decades he um i did a documentary on him back in college just three years ago i was actually still an intern with spectrum at the time shoot i should have shared it with spectrum man like yeah um it was it was a really good doc it was for my sports reporting class oh i remember i think i've seen it before uh but I still remember um, asking him, oh, what did I ask him? Oh, because he said he, he'll he never turn away a kid, no, no matter what. He buys books for us, you know. He was at my mom's funeral, you know. Mm-hmm. And I remember um, asking him, 
were you ever turned away as a kid? Wow. You know, is that, you know, and I was just curious and yeah. he, he told me, he's like, I was. The, the, wow. One of the community centers that he became a supervisor of too at that. They turned him away. They turned him away because of his cousin. Because he was he's he related never, to him. And yeah. it wasn't anything that he did. And he says, I'll never, ever, ever let a kid feel the way I felt as a kid when yeah. I got turned away. He, like he never forgot yeah, that he, feeling. And he got emotional when he said that. And I was like, whoa. Gosh. And, I, and, I, and it, you would never think that. You would always think that. Yeah. You know, he's just always been this guy who wanted to give back. And it's, it's stuff like that. Like a, a lot of great comes out of turmoil for some reason. I don't know why. Yeah. Uh, I know for me, you know, my journalism journey. It's my neighbor. He has like heavy feet. Do you hear that? This guy, man, he's like... Jose, I don't know what you're talking about. The apartment upstairs has been empty for... No, it's not. 9,000 years. 9,000 years? <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, that ghost better, you know, float around that right. second floor. Okay, I've uh, got a uh, final question for you. Final, final question. question. Okay. We talked a little bit about purpose mm-hmm. and how that's what drives you in your work. Is there... Um, is there, and, and when Kiki told you, you know, you made your city proud today, mm-hmm. is there something you think maybe that's going to be a career defining moment for you that you're chasing after? And what do you think that is? Like a particular story or just a feeling? Um, nah, nothing like, I don't care. I don't. I honestly don't care about. Why are you laughing at Great me? Great. Okay. Cool. That was, oh, you stumped me with that question. Is no, that, no, no. You impressed? No. That was a good question. Oh, thank you. That was a good question. Thank you um, very much. I don't know. I just saw you laughing. I'm like, oh. she's like, yeah, I got him. I thought got I him got with that good. No, question. I thought it was a good question. You were just going to be like, that, not really. <laughs> that John Salazar s question. Was that Salazar s? I don't know. I remember when I was a, a writer, John and I would be at the same stories, and you know we'd be asking like really good questions back mm-hmm. and forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he had his camera and I just had my little notepad. But um, John and I are supposed to start a podcast called Between Two Cholos. <laughs> we're, we're sitting down talking and there are two cholos. What the hell? <laughs> yeah. I'm the most cholo of everybody in the newsroom. Sorry, it was our idea. I got the I got the rep, man. Okay. I got the flannels and I got the little homie figures on my desk. We wrote it down. Oh, I used to buy those right for like a few cents. In front of my, my water At like numbers. a restaurant? Yeah, I see them. Yeah. Dude, did you ever play this little baseball game when it was like Pablo and like, do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> what? That's so racist. No. I'm just joking. That's funny. <laughs> Pablo. Cheese and rice, man. Okay. Cheese and rice. Adios, amigo Oh, career defining. Uh, I don't care for accolades, dude, to be quite honest. Um, Not accolades no i know but like that that one story that's gonna like that's gonna like make you kind of break not i'm not chasing it like i feel like it'll happen when it happens okay um i feel like any story that i could do could be like especially for the stuff that i cover okay like san antonio is one of the most economically segregated cities in the nation yeah there's so many great stories that could come out of like there was like a a cbs doc back in like the 50s or 60s Mm mm-hmm and San Antonio was highlighted in there. Wow. Uh, yeah. It was about, I think it was like food hunger. Or I don't even know what it was. Um, but there was like a politician at the yeah. time. He was like really racist. Like it was like, this was yeah. the 60s. Like what, what else do you expect? But it was crazy um, looking at it. Um, but 
for me, I feel like any story, like you can go like sports. I always tell people you can tell that the people who thrive most in sports are the people who have the resources, the money. Because when you go to like, let, let's say for Northeast, for example, Northeast, because uh, SAISD, everyone's on the same level playing field a lot. There's a mm-hmm. lot of low income people. Mm-hmm. Um, but like for Northeast, you know, there's schools like Johnson High School. Yeah. Soup, like, you know, everyone's well off. Yeah. And let's say they go up against maybe uh, Robert E. Lee or Roosevelt. Let's say Roosevelt. No, I went to Roosevelt. Um, you know, you, you see the difference. You know, you, you see the difference. You can tell, like, you know, there's a portion of Roosevelt students that grew up very low income. You know, you can tell that their their first introduction, or like maybe at the middle school level too. Yeah. You can tell their first introduction to organized sports was, was in, in seventh high, grade, okay, or yeah. even in high school. You're right. Yeah, yeah, even yeah. in high school. And then, like, whereas, like, my little brother, for example, he played baseball his entire yeah, life. Yeah, he played club baseball. Yeah. You know, he played club baseball. Yeah. Um, and you could tell, you know, you know, so and so from this school barely started their freshman year. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, for, for most, most schools in San Antonio, you don't play baseball until freshman year. Mm-hmm. So you see you see that. You see that. Uh, it's like like the juxtaposition of, like, people who have money and people who don't. And The Atlantic did a really great piece about three or four years ago about that, you know, yeah. about the, the gap, you know, in, yeah. in, in sports. Because soccer is an expensive sport. Yeah. Ba- AU basketball is expensive. Mm-hmm um what else baseball is expensive and that's not even counting like swimming or anything like there's no like low-income swimming teams like you know you just go to the pool hey that'd be a good idea for a sketch though oh my gosh (laughs) wow how how cruel of you i'm just joking dang um so so you see that and that's that's a story that you know when you talk about sports coverage that's like you know that that's a great sports story right there Mm -hmm. That's a story that would require a lot of time. Mm-hmm. It's not something that you could day turn. It's not something that would take a couple of days. That's like a lot heavy research you would have to do. So that's su- something that, that's that you're def- kind of like yeah. you are passionate about doing one day. Like something that because I experienced that. Like literally yeah. when I when I was when I moved. Like I say when my mom moved to the when we moved to the north side with our you know it's wealthy like a aunt and uncle. Shock of like. I played in the freaking $5 Spurs Youth Basketball Leagues and the freaking coach is like so-and-so's drunk Theo or like, you know, homeboy who just graduated high school who like yeah. wants to live through vicariously through other people like their their sports dreams and like they don't know crap about crap. And um, so you don't get that proper training, you know? Like for me, when I first played AU basketball, it was because my friend's dad paid for me. You know, they, they sponsored me or whatever. So something like that, that's like, if you wanted to find something that's like the truest thing you would ever tell people or the most meaningful piece of work you'd ever produce, it would be something kind of like that. Something like that. Something that has to do with income inequality or, you know, maybe education Yeah. or anything along those lines. Uh, It's something that I lived. It's something that I had to conquer. Mm -hmm. And, um... It sucks. I, I didn't enjoy, like, I'm proud of myself for conquering that, but it was it was rough. It was hard. Like, it was very lonely. Um, it was scary, especially, like, when you don't have your mother, yeah. when you don't have a great relationship with your father. Mm-hmm. You know, most people can be like, oh, I'll just go to, you know, lean on mom and dad or, you know, 
you know, I'll, I'll take this semester off, you know, and I'll just like work or whatever. Or, yeah. You know, my mom and dad will understand. Yeah. For me, it's like, no, like there is no option. There is no other option. Like if you're going to quit, like, like life's over yeah. for me in my head, at least. Okay. Um, um, I have one last question I'm going to ask you, but is there anything else that you want to say or express um, or sing about or this? It feels good to be back. I'm um, doing this. Um, I've been wanting to do it ever since, uh, you know, we had to quarantine. Mm-hmm. People have literally been bugging me about this. Like, hey, like, whatever happened to your podcast, man? Like, I enjoyed it. Like, literally, when I started the podcast in, what, late August? 16 straight weeks, 16 straight episodes. Like, yeah. every week, there was an episode. Um, there was actually one week where I didn't do it, but there, I had to, I made it up and did, you know, oh, okay. two, two yeah. um, podcast episodes in one week. But it was just nonstop. But then I got hired with Spectrum, and it's like, you know what? Uh, I get to do my dream job. It pays the bills. So podcast put you on hold. You know, shift my focus to Spectrum News. Yeah. Um, these people invested in me. They, they saw what I saw in myself for the longest time, which, uh, yeah. like literally, like I. It's so gratifying in a way. It, it was. Like, I still remember that old first orientation day in Austin, and I'm just, like, there, and I'm, like, wow. Like, I remember being here as an intern, and I was broke as hell, and, you know, I was, you know, a server working 40 hours a week, going to school full-time. I hated, yeah. you know, this grind. I, It was a grind that I embraced, but, like, it, it was just, it's just weird, like, looking back, you know, John, Annette, and Elise, who were, like, people that I looked at look, looked at as bosses even though I never worked with them mm-hmm. I always saw them every day when I went to the news station with Jeff and now they're my co-workers yeah that's just weird like like even when Vince became my co-worker even though I was just a freelancer at the Express News a guy who's been there since I was 17 years old didn't know what the hell I was really doing you know it's because of people like him you know that I'm here but uh, yeah like I like it's just crazy that you know, in to for people like Larissa to go out of her way and you yeah. know, you know, really think highly of me. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you're not used to hearing nice things about you, it's very weird. Yeah. Like when you, when you're the only person who knows what you're capable of, you know the type of human that you are. Yeah. It, it sucks. It's just like man, like don't see the vision, and they're not supposed to always, yeah. I guess, until you. Yeah. You show them in a plain way. Yeah. Like during this grind, I never seek acceptance from anyone yeah. except for the people that. I looked up to and admired. Yeah. Um, and know. just for the people who can't see right now, Jose is crying. <laughs> Jose is bawling. I almost tears. cried earlier. He's I, crying. Nah, you'll, you'll know if I'm crying. I almost cried earlier. Um, I don't know at what point. I'll, I think I'll, I feel like I kind of remember. I'll, I'll, I'll listen yeah. back to this and I'll timestamp it. <laughs> almost cried right here. <laughs> just as people can like click yeah, to it. Please. And, uh, and it's just going to be that one song yeah. on what the Rick road. <laughs> never gonna give you up oh my gosh i'm like but ah. um is there anything else that you want to say before i ask my last question um i don't know what the next episode is gonna be about um i don't know if it, uh, it'll be somebody else on here mm-hmm. just because of everything that's going on mm-hmm. but i mean this isn't gonna be like one thing that i do and then like it's all right all right guys see you guys and you know see you in when- seven more months yeah see you in seven more months uh, I play off of people really well. I, I like to have conversations with people. Uh, but 
we'll see we'll see if i have have the the guts to do it by myself yeah it's just weird like i don't know how bill simmons does it by himself like he's he's wild i could see it yeah but we'll, we'll see we'll see yeah um all right well my last question for jose is and the viewers feel free to chime in if you know the answer <laughs> call, call in <laughs> yeah uh jose where are you from again <laughs> the 7207 blood we out here all right and i guess we're wrapping it up that way all right all right usually all right. i tell people um uh, i'll tell my guests <laughs> talk hey you're supposed to tell a joke tell, tell the joke you said- i told joe i've been told jokes this whole episode no we Oh my joke! Yeah, you're oh, like. Oh my joke was ready. It better not be inappropriate. I wanted to open up with saying, "All right, Jose, he's bringing himself to the red table." <laughs> Jada Pinkett Smith, and that's walks, on Jada Pinkett. Yeah, she walks in through my door right now. Like, what are you doing over here? Yes. Man, if Jada walked in, I'd be like, "What the heck?" Would you? I would probably faint. Like, ma'am. You guys heard it here first. Jose faints all the time. He can't control it. I guess we'll... Uh, I usually tell my guests, since you're technically my guest, even though you interviewed me, mm-hmm. um, I usually tell them, I give them... It's like, talk your ish, you know? This is yeah. your... Talk your ish. So talk your ish, Mia. Everybody, um, I just... Hi, guys, first of all. Um, I just want to say, guys, of please... Um, my name is Mia. I like tortillas. Oh my gosh. I like my Thea's. AE bars. And follow me on Instagram. What's your handle? At Meyonce. M I Y O N C E underscore E. Oh. And um, I am. Yeah, you should follow me. I'm funny. Sometimes I do stand up comedy. Uh, all right. Oh my gosh, someone replied to my freaking question on Twitter. What is it? What's the question? Which of the under... This is my homie, Will. He's a he's a producer at, at some Oklahoma station. We met in Detroit. Oh, actually, I have more to say, but go ahead. What's up? What's Will. up? Uh, he says, which of the Undertaker's non-WrestleMania losses is the most shocking? I don't understand all seven of those words. Non-WrestleMania losses. That's... So... That's a hard question. Oh! Um, when he lost to Edge um, for the title, he had got beaten up. Uh, I think he had just beat Batista and then Mark Henry beat the crap out of him and then Edge comes out catches the money in the bank and beats him the only reason why that was shocking is because Smackdown at the time was pre-taped so like my cousin had a computer and we went on the WWE website and then it said Edge wins the title even though the episode aired on a Thursday and we were barely on Tuesday we were like how did he beat him and then that's when we found out it was pre-taped and stuff but that was yeah the most shocking one because I found out on my cousin's computer but what back to you? What were you saying? Um, so I turned twenty three today. I'm so excited. I'm hey! starting it off with a podcast. That's Jordan super cool. Year. Uh or LeBron James. Yeah. LeBron James year. Uh, I always wanted to post a picture on my twenty third birthday with the caption how to go from six to twenty three like I'm LeBron. But, oh bars. Uh, Dang, you're you're a rapper today. I know. Uh I wanna be a rapper. Everybody, thanks for having me. That wraps it up for episode 17. You can find me on my handles because if you see this, you'll probably see it on Twitter or Instagram. Um, but I'm Sports Guy Jose, um, your Thea's favorite journalist. Uh, that wraps it up and stay brown.